Let's go ahead and prepare to read Genesis chapter 42 by prayer, by praying. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now, God, that you would bless the reading of the word here this morning as we read from Genesis chapter 42 and as we continue to learn about Joseph and his life and the lessons, Lord God, that we can all learn from the lessons that he learned. Bless your reading, Lord God. Honor it and anoint it. And again, I pray for myself that you will help me to speak clearly, organize my thoughts and my words. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Okay, let's do our best here on the outside service to listen to this story. It's 38 verses long. And be patient while I go through the story, okay? When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some buy some for us so that we may live and not die. The, then 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for the famine was in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the one who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from, he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. No, my lord, they answered. Your servants have come to buy food. We are all the sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. No, he said to them, You have come to see where our land is unprotected. But they replied, Your servants were twelve brothers, the sons of one man, who lives in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father, and one is no more. Joseph said to them, It is just as I told you, you are spies, and this is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of your number to get your brother. The rest of you will be kept in prison, so that your words may be tested to see if you are telling the truth. If you are not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. And he put them all in custody for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this, and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison, while the rest of you go and take grain back for your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me, so that your words may be verified, and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do. They said to one another, Surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. Reuben replied, Did, Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an account for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. He turned away from them and began to weep but then turned back and spoke to them again. He said he had Simeon taken from them and bound before their eyes. Joseph gave, orders to fill, Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain, to put each man's silver back in his sack, and to give them provisions for their journey. After this was done for them, they loaded their grain on their donkeys and left. At the place where they stopped for the night, one of them, 
opened his sack to get feed for his donkey. And he saw his silver in the mouth of his sack. My silver has been returned, he said to his brothers. Here it is in my sack. Their hearts sank, and they turned to each other trembling and said, What is this that God has done to us? When they came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them. They said, The man who was lord over the land spoke harshly to us and treated us as though we were spying on the land. But we said to him, We are honest men. We are not spies. We were twelve brothers, sons of one father. One is no more, and the youngest is now with our father in Canaan. Then the men... Then the man who is Lord over the land said to us, This is how I will know whether you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me and take food for your starving households and go. But bring your youngest brother to me so I will know that you are not spies but honest men. Then I will give your brother back to you and you can trade in the land. As they were emptying their sacks, there in each man's sack was his pouch of silver. When they and their father saw the money pouches, they were frightened. Their father Jacob said to them, You have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now you want to take Benjamin. Everything is against me. Then Reuben said to his father, You may put both of my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Entrust him to my care, and I will bring him back. But Jacob said, My son will not go down there with you. His brother is dead, and he is the only one left. If harm comes to him, on the journey you are taking, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in sorrow. So last week we were looking at this uh, little story here about Joseph. And we read in Genesis chapter 41. And we learned a few things. Now, there's a lot of information here. But we don't have a lot of time to discuss a lot of it. We're just going to do touch on some fine points here. And last week we learned that uh, Joseph was finally let out of prison. But we learned that he and he went to from the prison to the throne or from the prison to the palace. And we looked at verse 46, which told us that Joseph was 30 years old when he began to serve Pharaoh and the nation of Egypt. And we also focused on the age of Joseph when he was sold out by his brothers. The Bible tells us that he was 17 years old. So at the age of 17, after Joseph was sold out by his brothers, years passed for Joseph, and it seemed that things were going from bad to worse. He was a slave to Potiphar, then he went to prison, and even after Joseph helped the cupbearer, Joseph remained in prison for two more years. Year after year passed, and it seemed like nothing was going to change. It seemed like nothing was happening. It seemed like all of Joseph's dreams would never come to pass. It seemed like Joseph would never see his family again. But we also learned that God was always with Joseph, no matter what trials and tribulations he went through. We learned that Joseph never gave up, and we learned that Joseph kept praying and trusting and believing God, which is what we have to do. Can you say amen, church? Okay? So we read last week that Pharaoh had a couple of dreams and that Joseph was able to interpret them for Pharaoh, and as a result, the Pharaoh of Egypt elevated Joseph to a position of power. Except for Pharaoh, Joseph was now the most powerful person in Egypt. Last week, we learned that from the age of 17 to the age of 30, a total of 13 years passed in Joseph's life where he was away or taken away from his family. Then the Bible tells us that there were seven years of plenty when Joseph was able to store tons and tons of food in special storage containers in order to prepare for the seven years of famine that were to follow. So if we add seven years of plenty to the 13 years that Joseph had already been separated from his family. This takes us now to 
20 years that have passed since the time that Joseph had been separated from his family. Are you guys following me so far? 20 years have passed now. Okay? We're 20 years into this story now. And now here in Genesis chapter 42, we begin to learn that God not only proves faithful to Joseph, but God also deals with the sin of his 10 brothers. Remember Joseph's brothers had sold him out when Joseph was 17 years old. They sold him out because Joseph's brothers were jealous of him. Joseph's brothers were envious of Joseph. Joseph's brothers hated their brother. Joseph's brothers wanted to kill their brother Joseph. Then Joseph's brothers sold him to the Ishmaelites, and Joseph was taken to a foreign land and sold as a slave. Then Joseph's brothers uh, covered up their sin by lying to their dad and telling their dad that Joseph had been killed by a wild animal. So now let's learn this lesson. In the same way that Joseph had to patiently wait for God, for God to hear his prayers to be answered, for his dreams to begin to unfold, and for God's promises to be fulfilled, and for God's plans to be fulfilled, well, the same is true about sin. In time, if we do not repent, then we will eventually have to deal with the consequences of sin and rebellion against God. Numbers chapter 32 verse 23 says, but if you fail to do this, you will be sinning against the Lord and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. In other words, God's saying, dude, if you don't get this straightened out, you're going to get busted. Galatians 6 verse 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let me read it in the Good News Translation. Same scripture, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. And it says this, do not deceive yourselves. No one makes a fool of God. Let me say that again. Do not deceive yourselves. No one makes a fool of God. You will reap exactly what you plant. If you plant in the field of your natural desires, from it you will gather the harvest of death. If you plant in the field of the Spirit, from the Spirit you will gather the harvest of eternal life. Luke 12, 2. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. Don't fool yourself into thinking that if you sin in a really dark place, in a cave somewhere where nobody sees and nobody knows, it doesn't matter. God sees you. So Joseph's brothers, they figured that their sin would never be exposed. After they sold their brother to the Ishmaelites, the first year passed, and it seemed that they got away with their hatred and their lie because nothing happened. Five years passed, and it seemed that their sin would never be exposed. Why? Because nothing happened to them. They were living their lives normally. Everything was cool. Thirteen years passed, and it seemed that their sin would never be exposed. Why? Because nothing happened. Everything was cool. Life was fine. Now they entered into the seven years of plenty, the seven years of blessing. The brothers were experiencing bumper crops. The brothers' businesses were booming. Their harvest and blessings were overflowing. Their herds of animals were multiplying. They were having babies like crazy. I mean, man, it, it was it was awesome. Please, church, be open to learning a very important lesson. Don't be deceived 
into thinking that God blesses sin and rebellion. When you and I are in sin and rebellion, if things are going well while we are in sin and rebellion, let's not deceive ourselves into thinking that somehow God is ignoring our sin or that our rebellion will be overlooked. Don't think that just because everything is cool and everything is going okay and that everything is normal that God is overlooking or has forgotten about our sin. That's not a correct assumption in our hearts and in our minds. Now 20 years have passed since the brothers sold out Joseph, and all of a sudden the famine hits and disaster strikes. The 10 brothers, along with their families, along with their father Jacob, are running out of food. They're starving. The famine is severe, and they are becoming very desperate. Jacob, their dad, hears that there is food in Egypt. So Jacob sends his 10 oldest boys to Egypt to buy some food. The same 10 boys that sold Joseph out are being now sent to Egypt to buy some food and to bring the food back to their homeland. And the Bible tells us here in chapter 42 of Genesis, when they get to Egypt, Genesis chapter 42, verse 6 says this, Joseph, as governor of the land of Egypt, was selling grain to the people from all over the world. So Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. You talk about being humbled. That's a big deal right there. Can you say amen, church? Church, we see here that Joseph's first dream now is fulfilled after 20 years. It took 20 years, but it's being fulfilled. His brothers came before Joseph and bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. Now, for the sake of those that are just joining us, let's go back 20 years when Joseph had his first dream that he shared with his brothers. We're going to go back 20 years to Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 8. Let me read this to you. And I, I know that you're at a little disadvantage. Normally in church, we have the scriptures on the screen and you can see them. Those of you that have their, your Bibles, thank God. Those of you that are looking on your phones, thank God. Those of you that are listening, don't fall asleep, okay? All right, Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 8 says this. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is 20 years before. We're going back in time. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah, the sons of Zilpah, the, his father's wives. And he brought their their father, a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheep rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and what he had said. And so now let's go forward 20 years. 20 years have passed. And let me read Genesis 42, 6 again. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. But then in Genesis chapter 42, the Bible tells us that instead of revealing himself to his brothers, the Bible records that Joseph begins to interrogate and accuse the brothers of wrongdoing. The question is, why did Joseph choose to conceal his identity and answer his brothers so roughly? The answer is in Genesis chapter 42, verses 15 and 16. And it says this, 
And this is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of your number to get your brother. The rest of you will be kept in prison so that your words may be tested to see if you are telling the truth. If you are not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. You see, Joseph wanted to know if his older brothers had harmed or killed his younger brother, Benjamin, in the same way that they had harmed him and tried to kill him 20 years earlier. Remember, Joseph and Benjamin were Jacob's favorite sons. This is why Benjamin stayed home and was not with the 10 brothers because his dad did not want to take the chance of losing him or having him killed the way he thought that Joseph was killed. Joseph repeats his concern for his younger brother in verses 19 and 20, Genesis 42, verses 19 and 20. And it says this, Genesis 42, 19 and 20, to prove that you are honest, one of you will stay in the prison where you have kept, this is the good news translation, to prove that you are honest, one of you will stay in the prison where you have been kept, the rest of you may go and take back to your starving families the grain that you have bought. Then you must bring your youngest brother to me. This will prove that you have been telling the truth, and I will not put you to death. They agreed to this. So now the brother's sin was coming back to haunt them. Church, please understand this. You and I are not smarter than God. Did you hear what I just said? I don't care how smart you think you are how intelligent you think you are, how rich and powerful you think you are, what position in life you hold, it doesn't matter. You are not smarter than God. You cannot outwit or fool God. We will not get away with our secret sin and rebellion. If we do not repent and cry out to God for forgiveness, the consequences of secret and unconfessed sin are severe eventually we will be exposed and the consequences are always severe and always painful and i would add they are also embarrassing and i would add they are also humiliating and sometimes the consequences may even result in death speaking of secret sin this is our subject here today speaking of secret sin how many of you have ever seen the movie shawshank redemption anybody seen the movie shawshank redemption in that movie there was a some secret sin that was taking place that was exposed. I want you to think about that right now, okay? In that movie, Shawshank Redemption. How many of you have seen the movie Man and the Iron Mask? Man and the Iron Mask. In that movie, there was also secret sin being take, that was taking place, and that was also going to be exposed. How many of you have seen the movie The Count of Monte Cristo with Jim Cavaziel and, and, and Guy Pierce? Anybody seen the, the movie Count of Monte Cristo? Okay. In that movie, there's also secret sin that later on is exposed. And I, wa I want you to think about that. Okay. How many of you ever, ever watch old school Perry Mason shows? I watch old school Perry Mason shows. Okay. There's always secret sin in the Perry Mason shows that gets exposed in the end. Who knows what the most Except for Manny and Jamie. Don't answer this. Who knows what the most popular Disney movie of all time, of all the Disney movies, and David, you can't answer either, of all time, and, 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 and Chris, you can't answer either, of all times, the most famous Disney movie of all time, of all the Disney movies, the most famous one. Saul, you think you know what it is? Nope, not The Lion King. Mar Marissa? Nope, not Cinderella. No, no, no. No, okay, another guess. Okay, you back there, Teddy. No, not the Wizard of Oz. That's not even a Disney movie, dude. Come on. Okay. <laughs> I'm melting. I'm melting. Okay, so um, 
Pam. No. The most. Okay, so you want to take another guess? Who says Snow White? Snow White. Snow White. The most popular, the most widely distributed Disney movie of all time is Snow White. Okay? With the evil, maleficent, wicked, evil witch that tries to destroy innocent, pure, beautiful Snow White. Cinderella, the same thing with the golden slipper and the evil stepmother and Batman. How many of you like Batman? You know, I remember I was, when I was a kid, the old original, uh, old school Batman was, Batman. Man, I used to run home from school just to watch that show. It was so cool. Boom, boo. All these words, man, they were so cool. And you know what? Batman always had to survive, even though all these criminals, the Joker and the Riggler, they were trying to kill him. They were trying to destroy him. But Batman, man, God would always come back and and save him. And next week we would see another show. Hallelujah. The same thing with Superman. The same thing with Captain America or any of these superheroes. We see the villains. We see the wickedness. We see the evil that's trying to take them out. But in the end, God comes through and salvation comes. How many of you can shout hallelujah for that? That's what makes a good movie. Now, I mentioned Shawshank Redemption. Who can tell me the secret sin in that movie and how it got exposed. Anybody want to take a risk on coming up here in front of these cameras and, and saying and saying the story of Shawshank Revenge and thousands and millions of people are going to see you and they're going to reveal the secret of the secret sin in Shawshank. Who wants to say that? Who wants to give the storyline? Anybody? David, you want to try? Come up here, buddy. Come up here. Come on. Okay. Where's that other microphone at? What did I do with that other microphone? I am panicking up here. I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know what I do. Oh, here it is right here. Okay. Tell us the story. Tell us. Get to the main point because of time and need. We're all, we're out here cooking like the wicked, wicked, wicked witch of the witch and the word. We're melting. We're melting. Okay. So you have to be quick. Okay. Let me see if this is even on. Thank you, Jesus. As we're all touching this microphone and we're not supposed to be. Okay. So go ahead. And is the microphone on? I don't hear him. I don't know why I don't hear him. There you go. There okay. you go. Okay. So at the end, uh, one of the guys that's the main character, he had to finance the banking, uh, financial things and he was stealing four the warden. the warden and that was a secret thing that he was doing and behind all of everybody like everybody's back the guy was doing financial things behind everybody's back but at the end he goes he leaves the prison he leaves with all the financial uh assistance and all the records and he exposes the warden for all the dirty things all the stealing which is a sin and that he um he gets away with it and uh, he gives money to the person that helped him, which was um, Freeman, Morgan Freeman. He gives him money because at the end, he's the only person that we're, we're against the, the the prison rules and we need to get be free. Very good. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Good thing I saw the movie because I wouldn't have followed anything that you just said, my brother. Okay. Very good. Who wants to give the sin? Who wants to expose the secret sin of the man in the iron mask? Anybody want to expose that? Oh, now everybody's too scared because now you don't know what I'm going to say, right? Okay. So all of you understand that all these movies are good. You know why? Because throughout the movie, there's a wicked scheme going on. Wicked scheme, wicked scheme, trying to destroy a certain individual. But in the end of the movie, guess what? It gets exposed. 
And the person that was trying to do all the destruction gets busted. And the person that was trying, they, they were trying to destroy gets exalted. Okay. There are so many more movies and TV programs and characters that I can mention that demonstrate how the cruel and evil villain is exposed and destroyed while the one who has been wronged is avenged by God. Over and over again, God warns us not to be deceived by sin. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, do not be deceived. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, do not be deceived. James chapter 1, verse 16, do not be deceived. Luke chapter 21, verse 8, take heed that you are not be, that you are not deceived. Listen, the, the biggest deception is when you are in sin, when you're doing wrong, and everything it seems to be going okay, and nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. You're not getting punished. You're not getting disciplined. Nothing is falling apart. Everything is running smoothly. Everything is going great. And it's a deception because even though you're sinning and you think you're getting away with it, you're not really getting away with it because at the right time, at the right moment, God's going to show up, my friend. First Peter 5.8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Listen, in the same way that you and I as Christians have to do what Joseph did uh, and wait on the Lord and wait on the Lord and trust in the Lord and keep praying and keep seeking his face and keep striving to do good. And, and in the meantime, it may seem like your prayers are not being answered. It may seem like nothing is happening. It may seem like things are not going anywhere. It may seem like things are not getting better, but getting worse it doesn't matter you keep praying you keep trusting you keep believing you keep holding on to the lord you keep following jesus and at the right time god will bless you it works the same thing with sin if you keep sinning and sinning and you don't repent and you keep it secret and you cover it up and you think you're getting away with it and just because nothing is happening and nothing is happening and nothing is changing as a matter of fact sometimes even things get even better and they get better and better and you seem like you're getting blessed and you seem like you're getting away with it well let me tell you something my friend the time will come when god will expose it and then everything's going to fall apart Pastor Jerry, Pastor Jerry, why are you coming on so strong about sin? I want to hear something nice and cool and beautiful. And I want you to make me, I want you to stroke my back and, and tell me that I'm good. I'm a good guy. Why are you coming down so, so hard on sin? Why am I coming down so strong against sin? Do you see the mess that the world is in right now? Do you see that the mess that our country is in right now? And you're asking me, why am I talking about sin? Sin all by itself is dangerous and destructive. That's why you and I should repent on a daily basis. On a daily basis for, I mean, man, when I get up in the morning, first thing I do is I hit my knees and I start crying out to God. I, I become a little boy in the hands of my father. And when the day is over, the first thing I do before I hit the bed, no matter how tired I'm, is I get on my knees and I say, Lord Jesus, and I review my day. I just review my day and I let the Lord reveal anything to me that maybe I've done wrong or I messed up. And even if I don't think of anything or can't remember anything, I say, God, please forgive me. I humble myself, God, and I ask you to please forgive me if I've done anything wrong, if I've messed anybody up, if I've hurt anybody. If I've done any, please forgive me, God. Daily. We need to do this. As a matter of fact, I probably do it all day. All, throughout. I, I look at this. I'm not going to tell you what I'm looking at. Oh, and, and I have to repent. Right then and there. Boom. I have to repent. Continually. First John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I got some news for you here this morning. I'm not here to condemn you. Listen, or to put you down. God already knows who you are and God already knows who I am. And you know what he says? Dude, I know that you're a sinner. I know that you're already messed up. You don't have to tell me. You don't even have to hide it from me. I know that you're messed up. All I'm asking you to do is when I reveal certain things to you that you're doing wrong, repent, confess, ask for forgiveness, and we'll be on the same page throughout the day, throughout the week, and throughout your life. You guys hearing what I'm saying here this morning? Okay? Just repent. Get it right. Get it cleaned up. As soon as you can, get it cleaned up. Don't hold on to it. But when you have secret sin, when you have secret and unconfessed sin, now you're putting yourself in some serious danger because now you have sin and you know that you have sin and you're not wanting to let it go. You want to hold on to it. You don't want to confess it. You don't want to hit your knees. You don't want to humble yourself before God. You want to, you, you've got something that you like, that you enjoy, that you are, are participating in and you do not want to let it go. Now there's a problem. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So the first point for today is if you are having any, if you're, if you have anything going on in your life that you know is not pleasing to God, even if things are going well for you, don't let yourself be deceived. Repent and let it go before God is forced to expose it. Second lesson about secret, unconfessed sin and the consequences of sin. Joseph puts his 10 brothers in prison for three days. Genesis chapter 42, verse 17 says this, and he put them all in custody for three days. Joseph probably put them in the same prison that he himself had been in for so many years. He stuck them in that same prison. And believe me, prisons today are hotels compared to the prisons in the days of Joseph. Okay? Notice here that as soon as Joseph puts his brothers into prison, the brothers begin to reflect on why all of this terrible stuff is happening to them. Hopefully, I pray that hopefully Americans throughout our nation, I pray that people throughout the world are meditating and asking themselves, why is all this stuff happening? I pray that that's what's happening in the consciences of peoples around the world. I pray that all this craziness is causing people to examine their lives and to check things out and to figure out why is all this happening? Why is everything falling apart? The beginning of 2020 was so great. Everything was humming, man. It was a big machine and it was humming. People were making money, the sports and, and all the theaters and all the movies and all the concerts and all the stuff. Man, it was humming. It was a machine, a worldwide machine that was just humming and everyone was celebrating the success and now, man, everything has been crashing down. And I pray and I hope that people are asking themselves, why is all this happening? Because you see, that's what happens when you go into prison. Going to prison does something to you. Remember, Joseph himself was put in prison, but he didn't do anything wrong. But even when you didn't do anything wrong, your mind tends to go a little crazy when you're in prison. Did you hear what I just said? You're isolated. You have a lot of time. You're always being threatened, always under pressure. You're like a caged animal. 
And all you do is think and think and think and think. And our mind is very powerful. It is so powerful, our minds. And you start thinking. Now, when you're in prison and you know that you're guilty of wrongdoing, man, your mind starts going really crazy because now that you're in prison, you're not, you're not on meth anymore. You're not on heroin anymore. You're not on cocaine anymore. You're not on alcohol anymore. Now you're, you're, you're getting back into your, your right mind, but in your mind, you're, man, I can't believe that I beat up my wife. Man, I can't believe that I beat up my kids. Man, I can't believe that I shot that guy. Man, I can't believe that I robbed that store. Man, I can't believe that I got in that fight. Man, I can't believe that I got in that car accident. Man, I can't believe. And you start running in your mind all the stuff that you've done that got you there in prison. You guys following me so far? You're in prison and you got lots of time and your mind is thinking and thinking, and thinking. Listen to what the brothers say to themselves. In Genesis chapter 42, verses 21 through 23, Good News translation says this, and said to one another, they said to one another, yes, now we are suffering the great consequences of what we did to our brother. We saw the great trouble he was in when he begged for help. But we would not listen. But we would not listen. But we would not listen. How many times do people try to tell you what the right thing is to do? How many times do you go to church and you're taught the right thing to do? How many times do your parents tell you, t- try to tell you the right thing to do? But we don't want to listen. We don't want to listen. This That is why we are in this trouble now, they said. Reuben said, I told you not to harm the boy but you wouldn't listen. And now we are being paid back for his death. Joseph understood what they said, but they did not know it because they had been speaking to him through an interpreter. While they were in prison, they began to reflect on the cruelty and the brutality of their behavior and actions toward their brother. They remembered the cries of Joseph in that pit, crying out to them. And now those cries were haunting them. They remembered the cries of their brother, begging them to let him out. And now those those cries are tormenting them. They, they didn't, uh, they, they, the guilt of selling him and the possibility of him being dead was torturing them. Listen, they didn't need to be physically whipped. They didn't need to be physically tortured or tormented. Their own sin was now haunting them. Here is the thing. Here is the thing. Even though 20 years have passed, the effects And heavy guilt and the knowledge of their sin is fresh like yesterday. It never goes away because it's unconfessed, because it's secret, and it gnaws at you. You go about your life, and even if things go good, it gnaws, and it begins to dig, and it torments and it haunts you at night when you're alone and trying to get some sleep. And then all of a sudden, you remember. You remember the damage that you are doing. Now, I don't know about you, but when things start going south in my life, or when things start going bad or getting messed up in my life, or when I get hit with some painful crisis, the first thing I do, the first thing I do is I put myself in check before God. I say, God, am I okay with you? That's the first thing I do. When things start going bad, 
First thing, God, are things okay with me and you? I began to search my own heart. I began to examine my own heart. And when I examine my own heart and I search my own heart and I see what's going on, if things are cool, as far as I know, if, if things are cool and God is not revealing anything to me, then I figure, okay, this is just a test. I'm going through a trial. I'm trying to serve God. I'm trying to stay faithful to God. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to treat people good. And I'm trying to stay faithful to God. And this is just a negative thing that's happening in my life. I'm just going to trust God. I'm going to hold on to God. My peace is going to be with God. My joy is going to be with God. Every, even if everything falls apart, it doesn't matter. I still have Jesus. And as long as I still have Jesus, I'm happy. I don't care what happens after that. But when I know, and yes, Pastor Jerry, Pastor Jerry has little secrets. Yes, yes. When Pastor Jerry has his little secrets, and I have sin in my life, and I know that things are going down, I recognize that God is trying to get my attention so that I will repent before things get worse. Did you listen to what I just said? He says, Jerry, if you don't get yourself right, you think this is bad? Things are going to get worse. This is called responding to the fear of God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of God leads to life and peace and prosperity. You see, being spanked or disciplined, or confronted, or corrected by God because of our unconfessed sin is actually a good thing. It doesn't feel good, but it is actually a good thing. Are you guys listening to what I'm saying? I'm, I'm spanking you right now, and it doesn't feel very good, but it's good for you. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 10 says this, And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, nor not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. Why is it so important to confess our sin? Because there is an eternal prison called hell and God wants to keep us all out of that eternal prison called hell. In the book of Luke, chapter 16, verses 23 through 28, it says this, In Hades, or in hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus by his side. So he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and send Lazarus to tip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, like while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over from there to us he answered then i beg you father send lazarus to my family for i have five brothers let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment you see there is an eternal prison cell called hell 
in this prison called hell, the Bible actually tells us that the people who go there will be in torment for all eternity. In the same way that these ten brothers began to be tormented over their sin. In the same way that these ten brothers began to reflect on the cruelty and the brutality and the actions toward their brother. In the same way that there were they were tormented as they remembered his desperate cries and pleadings. In the same way that they were regretting the harm done and the possibility that their brother was now dead because of what they did. And here, Here's the hardest reality to deal with. In the same way that their sin was still fresh in their minds, even after 20 years had passed, we learned that time does not affect the torment of sin upon our souls or upon our minds. The Bible tells us that this is an eternal prison called hell. Those who go there will be in torment for all eternity, and their regrets and brutal acts of rebellion against God will be fresh daily and reminded daily for all eternity. Can anyone understand now why Jesus loved us so much that he went to the cross so that you and I would not have to go to this prison cell called hell? Aren't you glad for what Jesus did for us, church? Aren't you glad for his patience with us? What is the solution to all this madness that we bring upon ourselves when we try to conceal our sin? James chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. What is the answer? We need to humble ourselves before our God church. We need to humble ourselves before it's too late. First Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Isaiah 57, 15 in the Good News Translation. I am the high and holy God who lives forever. I live in a high and holy place, but I also live with people who are humble and repentant so that I can restore their confidence and hope. Psalm 149, verse 4. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. What is that famous scripture? For the nations of the world and for the people of God. We always quote Second Chronicles chapter 7, 14, but I want to quote and end with this. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Listen to what it says. In verse 13 it says, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. How many of you know and believe that we need Jesus to heal our land right now? Can you say amen, church? But besides that, if you're here and you need for Jesus to heal you, then God says, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Repent. Ask God to forgive you. Turn from your wicked ways. You gotta, you gotta turn around. You gotta, you gotta let go of whatever it is you're holding on to. I know that it's hard to let go. I'm a man just like you guys are. I'm a human being. We all have passions. We all have desires. We all get tempted. We all have appetites. We all, we all can get ourselves in a lot of trouble. Don't hold on to that thing 
even though it gives you pleasure, in the end, it will destroy you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we humble ourselves before you right now, Lord. I don't know what's going on in the lives of these individuals that are here in front of me. I don't know what's going on in the lives of those that are listening online. You do, because you're God, and nothing is hidden from you. No secret is hidden from you. You are aware of everything that's happening in us personally, individually, and you are aware of what's happening in our nation, and you are aware of what's happening in our world. And we need to repent. We need to humble ourselves, and we need to repent, and we need to get right with you, Lord. But it starts with us individually. We can't worry about the nation if we ourselves individually are all messed up. we got to start with us. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If I were to die today or if Jesus were to come, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. If that's you here this morning, you are not a Christian and you want to surrender your life to Jesus, just lift up your hand and we will pray. Anyone at all says, Jerry, I am not a Christian. Even if you're listening online, you are not a Christian and you want to surrender your life to God. Now is the time. Don't wait. Don't push the grace of God. Don't push the mercy of God. You're taking a risk with your own life. This is a scary thing. You, you can't fool God. He's too powerful. In the end, we lose. He doesn't want us in that situation. He wants to bless us. If that's you here this morning, you want to receive Jesus, just say this prayer with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you and I humble myself before you as God. And I declare that today you are my God. Help me, Lord, to live my life for you. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior in my life. Forgive me of all my sins. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now I'm going to make an altar call for those of you that are Christians. And listen, it's up to you. You can hold on to whatever it is that you're holding on to. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now and he's saying, dude, you got to let go. You got to let go of certain things. That I need for you to be bold right here in front of the whole world and say, you know what? I need to let go of some things. I'm going to lift up, lift up your hand and say, Pastor Jerry, just pray for me. Just pray for me. Anybody else says, Jerry, just pray for me. Just lift up your hand right now. You're a Christian and there's things going on and you want to give them to God right now. You want to get, it's hard to let go. I know it is hard to let go. It's hard. It's, it's painful. It's difficult, but man, it's a lot more painful when you get busted. Believe me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I raise up my hand along with my brothers and sisters here today. I got all kinds of stuff going on in my life. Every single day, it's a battle, Lord. I confess before you every day, it is a battle of madness in my mind and in my life. And Lord God, I humble myself before you as your son. We humble ourselves before you as sons and daughters. And we ask you to help us, Lord. Forgive us. Forgive us for the way we think. Forgive us for the way we talk. Forgive us for the way we act. Forgive us for the way we treat people. Forgive us for the way we take your grace and mercy for granted, Lord. Forgive us, oh God. Humble us, Lord. We repent before you. We don't want to fail. We want to be successful. We don't want to be humiliated. We want to be blessed. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen. God bless your church.